My name is Pastor Nick Newman. I want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here today. And if you are with us for the first time, uh, we consider it an honor that you would spend your Sunday morning. Maybe you're tuning in online with us. We're grateful that you're here as well. Church, can you do me a favor? Can you help me welcome everybody online this morning? Come on. We are uh, super excited for that and uh, believe that God's going to do some incredible things. I got one more thing to celebrate with you and then uh, I'm going to dive headfirst into today's message. Last weekend we had an incredible opportunity uh, to do baptism and last week 14 people went public with their faith. So come on, can we celebrate that? It was awesome. So we saw 14 baptisms last week and are seeing God do some incredible things in the life of our church. And come on, it's sunny today. So it's, uh, we've been praying for that for sure. So I'm not going to take too long to introduce before I jump into the text today, but I'm super excited because today is uh, what we call Group Expo Weekend. It's where we kick off uh, the Propel groups that we have. We believe that you and I were designed for a few reasons. One, to glorify and honor God, but the second is to connect with God's people. And the way that your relationship with God will thrive is when you are both connected to God and connected to his people. You need relationships. You need to be connected. And so part of what we do here at Propel Church is we help you find the right kind of friends. We help you find biblical community to get in relationship with God's people because ultimately your friends determine the direction that you're heading in life. And one pastor says, if, hey, if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. The people you surround yourself with, your inner circle, really does make a difference. And so we're going to talk about friendship today. We're kicking off a brand new series called Relationship Playbook. Turn to somebody and shout playbook. playbook. Okay, 1030. Come on. We've got to work together. See, this is, this is a give and take relationship, right? Normally, see, normally, right? I'm going to talk, you listen, but then you get this invitation to say something, take advantage of it. So turn to somebody else, say playbook. 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 So we're kicking off the series Relationship Playbook, and we're super excited about it. Um, I grew up playing some football, and you may be thinking, he really looks like a basketball star, but um, grew up playing some football, and the coach always had a playbook. And the playbook was really important because in the playbook, there was a set of plays that we were going to run. And we were most successful when we ran the plays that the coach had designed. And I believe that relationships work the same way. Relationships are going to be something in your life and in my life that create some of the most tension and frustration. They're going to give us some of the most heartaches and headaches. But if we can run the plays that God has intended, if we can figure out what God's playbook for friendship looks like, I think you and I can get a little bit closer to healthy relationships and actually live out the plan that God has for our life. And so if you have a Bible, uh, go with me to Mark chapter 2. I'm going to read you this entire passage. We've got 12 verses, and then I'm going to talk through them and break it down. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Come on, Mark chapter 2, verse 1 says this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people uh, heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get, to, get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, then lowered the mat. The man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, you can circle that, their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins 
are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk uh, like he can do that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man. I tell you, take up your mat, go home. He took up his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. I love this passage of Scripture because it's a story of a paralyzed, a paralytic man, a guy who is broken, being healed. And the good news of the gospel for every single one of us is that we find ourselves that man today. If we find ourselves broken or paralyzed, the same power that Jesus spoke in Scripture is the same power that's readily available to every single one of us. That if you're stuck and you're broken, Jesus is here to set you free and invite you to get up and to walk in new life. That's the good news. But I don't actually think that the story is all about the paralytic man. Because when we look at the first five verses of the text, we see that over and over again, the audience or the main focus of the story is really on these... uh, the Lord was just agreeing. He was like, he was like, yes, it is about the friends. So, but there's four friends who are the primary audience that, that everything is all about. It's all about these four guys because the scripture says that there's four men who carry their friend to Jesus. If it wasn't about the friends at all, we would just find this paralyzed guy randomly show up in front of Jesus and Jesus would heal him and everything, everybody would go about their business. But for some reason, the author of the text wants to make sure that you and I know that this guy who was broken and hurting had four friends in his life. And these four friends made an incredibly big difference. And so I'm going to give you a few plays that you and I can run in the area of friendship. Here's the first one. You need to find friends who will carry you to Jesus. Find friends who will carry you to Jesus. At some point in every single one of our lives, you are going to find yourself in a broken situation. You are going to find yourself identifying significantly with the paralyzed man. Because to be paralyzed is, is in some regards, to be stuck. And some of you feel stuck in your workplace right now. And you don't know what to do. And you need friends who are going to pick you up and carry you to Jesus. Maybe it's not your workplace. Maybe it's the lack of work. You don't know what to do with your life because you had a job and you knew what you wanted to do. And then COVID threw everything out the window. Others of you, you feel stuck in your marriage. And, and, and so you're looking at, at, at your married life, and, and if you're not careful, here's what you're going to do. You're going to have friends that you consistently go to, and they're not going to lead you to Jesus. They're going to lead you to the place of their own woundedness. Yeah. Be- because wounded people only carry you to your wounds. That's why as a leader, it's important to not lead from your wounds, but to lead from scars so that you can lead from a place of healing, not a place of hurt. 
You need to make sure that your friends are carrying you in the right direction because where your friends carry you really do make a difference. Do your friends pick you up and carry you to Jesus or are they picking you up and carrying you to themselves or to somewhere else? Because where your friends take you makes a difference. When you find yourself stuck, I, I hear people all the time, like, for some reason, um, we're, we're hardwired not to get wisdom from people, but, but we really like to find people who tell us what we like to hear. You, you ever found out like that when you're very opinionated on a particular topic, you stop reaching out to the people who think differently than you? <laughs> and you just typically talk to the people who, who think the same way or, or who will, you know before you go into the conversation will agree with you? Hey, for some of you, you've been stuck. You feel stuck in your marriage right now, and it's time to like quit going back to that friend who always tells you that you deserve better and it's time to leave him. For some of us, we're taking advice on money from people who are broke. We should probably quit doing that. You gotta be really intentional with your friendships because at some point when you find yourself broken and hurting, your friends are gonna be the ones that pick you up and carry you somewhere. And I don't know what direction your friends are carrying you but what we do read in Mark chapter 2, verse 3, is that there were some men who were bringing to him a paralyzed man, and he was carried by four of them. There were four friends that were really intentional when they saw their friend in a broken condition about carrying him to Jesus. I think part of the reason why they carried him to Jesus is because they realized that there was something that Jesus could do for him that they couldn't do for themselves. When you find somebody who's stuck, you ever been that friend and you just realize, like, I actually can't help you. I can listen to you, but I can't fix what you have going on. Yeah. But as people, we feel like we've got to fix everything. Yeah. And, and you've got to be careful in friendships and relationships that you don't try and play a savior for somebody. Because you and I can't save anybody. Right. We can't heal anybody. Sometimes what we end up doing is creating the ecosystem to where people just need us more than they need God. Because it fuels something within us that makes us feel good about ourselves. We've got to make sure that we're carrying our friends in the right direction, that we're carrying people to Jesus. And not just that, but I think the four number is, is really important. I'm not saying you need four friends, but here's what I know. You need more than one. Yeah. And you need more than two. And the reason why I think four is important is because we don't know if this was a skinny man or a big man, but here's what we do know. It took four of them to carry him. Because if it only took two, then two would do it. <laughs> but it took four. Some of your friendships have been ruined because of your unhealthy expectations for a singular individual to carry your weight. So somebody you thought should be there for you was there. They just weren't able to carry the full weight of everything you were going through in that season. And now you don't have a relationship with them. That's why you need more people. Right. You need a group of people who can carry you. Proverbs 12, 26 says this. The righteous choose their friends carefully. But the way of the wicked leads them astray. When's the last time you did inventory on who you surrounded yourself with? Because it makes a difference. Yeah. You need to find friends who carry you to Jesus. Here's the second thing. 
Have friends who do whatever it takes to see you healed. Have friends who do whatever it takes to see you healed. Uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 4, says, Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. I need whatever it takes, friends, in my life. Because there's going to come times where community, friendship, relationships is not easy. How many of you know people are frustrating? Seven of you. Okay. All right. So let me let, I'll let you in on a little secret. People are frustrating. <laughs> they're difficult. Sometimes they're hard to get along with. Sometimes they're, they're, they're annoying, right? Like friend, friends are some of the most rewarding and beneficial people to have in your life, but they're also the most frustrating people to be around at times. But at the same time, you need friends who are going to do whatever it takes to make sure that you get to Jesus. Because in our world right now, we live in a place where community, where relationships is all about convenience. So when I don't feel like the relationship is convenient for me anymore, I just dip. That's why divorce rates are over 50%. That's, that's why we, we, we typically cycle through the friendships that we keep really close because once it's inconvenient, we're done. But when we look at Scripture, relationships is, is actually defined by this word covenant, which is not about convenient. It's all about the agreement that we've set in place. Covenants are really important because I believe God wants you, uh, David and Jonathan made a covenant. They made the decision that it was going to surpass superficial, surface-level stuff, and that they were going to do whatever it takes. And, and there's a whole lot there. I don't have time to get into that. But um, have friends who do whatever it takes. So the story is really cool because we see in Mark chapter 2 that these four guys are carrying their friend to Jesus. We don't know how long of a journey they've gone on, but when they arrive at the place where Jesus is at, they realize there's no room available. And for some of us, the friendships we have, they would look at that situation and go, oh, there's no room, we'll just try another time. No big deal. Oh, man, I really wanted to do it, but it got a little difficult, so I'm just going to give up. These friends didn't do that. They had this one crazy friend who was like, let's put him through the roof. <laughs> if you go back and read, Tori and I were talking about this the other day, and, and she had pointed out, it looks like, this is Jesus' house. So that's a, that's a whole different, like, these guys are about to throw their friend on a roof and cut a hole in Jesus' roof. That's bold. That's bold. So these four friends hoist their friend up, and they go to get him on the roof. And two guys get on the roof, two guys are on the ground, and they're pushing him up. And they finally, all four friends, they get him to the top. They realize there's a problem. They didn't bring any tools to cut a hole in this roof. So they go searching, they find what they need, they cut a hole in the roof, and then they realize, well, we can't just drop him. <laughs> so they go find some rope, and they build some sort of pulley system, and then they begin to lower this man down on the mat that he's laying down. What does it show us? They were willing to do whatever it took. Right. It wasn't convenient. The man was heavy. They, they had come on a long way. They realized that there was an obstacle that stood in their way, but they weren't going to take no for an answer. They were on mission to make sure that their friend got healing from Jesus, so they did whatever it took. Yeah. 
And if it meant that they had to cut a hole in every roof on that block, they were going to do it. If it meant that they had to flip the fire alarm so that everybody cleared out, they were going to do it. You need some crazy, passionate friends about your healing and wholeness. Like people who are going to be willing to cut holes in the roof of Jesus' house and lower you down and do whatever it takes to make sure that you get to Jesus because they ultimately know it only takes one encounter with Jesus to change your life forever. These friends were banking on the fact that the presence of God could change everything for their friend and they weren't going to take no for an answer. You don't need more friends who give you space. You need friends who will kick in your door. Like, figuratively. If you kick somebody's door in next week and blame it on me, I'm not taking the, the heat for that. But, but, but let me be honest. Some of us could have really used some friends who didn't let us get as isolated as we got in 2020. Like, you started pulling back, you started retreating and isolating, and you had some friends who just gave you space because life was difficult. And looking back, you go, I really didn't need space. I needed people. You need friends. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says this. Carry one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry one another's burdens. Some of us hinder the divine flow of relationships in our life because of our own insecurities. Because we won't let people carry our burdens. You ever had somebody, like, you do something nice for them, and they're like, oh, no, you didn't have to. Like, I know I didn't have to. I chose to. I want to do life with you. I want to serve you. I want to be there for you. I want to be your friend. And maybe you say, like, hey, I don't have those kind of friends. That's perfect. You start being one. You start being that friend for other people. You start showing up and doing whatever it takes for other people. And I'm telling you, God divinely opens up doors for those kind of people to come into your life. When we started the church, man, I desperately wanted a mentor. At the time, Tori and I were 22 when we started the church. People were like, you're crazy. And I was like, I know. (laughs) It was like, man, we feel called to start this church, but I wanted a mentor. I wanted somebody who was further along, that had done it, that was successful. And not just successful on the church planting side. Like, I wanted somebody that was, like, 20 years into it and, like, still loved their spouse. Because that's important. Right. And so we were looking for those people, and we couldn't find anybody. And so I was like, well, I'm going to start mentoring guys who are a little bit behind where we started our journey. And the moment I started mentoring and helping other people, God opened relationships up. And now I've got a a plethora of people who I can call on, who mentor me, who speak into the life of our church and and our lives. It's beneficial because you need those kind of people. And if you don't have them, start being that person who does whatever it takes for other people. Here's the last thing. You need friends of faith. You need friends of faith. I'm not saying that you can't have friends that don't believe in Jesus. There are some passages of scripture that, that pastors will use, and they, they would argue that you know, Paul talks about not being uh, unequally yoked with unbelievers or yoked to unbelievers. At some point, directionally, 
you're going to have conflict because the direction they're going and the direction you're going is two different things. However, if you have no one in your sphere of influence that doesn't know Jesus, it's really going to be hard to reach a dark world with the light that God's given you. So, so, but here's what you have to do. You have to be careful on who you let influence the direction. You got to make sure that the people who are carrying you are all going in the same direction. Because if you've got four people who are trying to carry you and they're all taking you to a different place, you will never get to the destination that God intended you to get at. Because who you let carry you determines, I believe, if you actually fulfill the calling that God has on your life. So Mark chapter 2 verse 5 says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. This is really interesting because we see Jesus heal people all the time throughout scripture. But he doesn't say their faith. He says your faith. Like he's healing a blind guy one time and, and, and the blind guy comes to him and Jesus says, because of your faith, you're healed. But this scenario is different. In this moment, picture the scene for just a second. There's this hole in the roof. Guys are lowering their friend down with rope. And all of a sudden, Jesus has been teaching. He's been healing people. And this man just falls from the sky softly. He's laying on the ground in front of Jesus. And Jesus looks at him, but he sees there's this rope. And he looks up. And he sees four friends grinning ear to ear, smiling, looking down. They're pumped. Like, this is the moment we've been waiting for. Jesus looks back at the paralyzed man and says, because of their faith, your sins are forgiven. Like because of their faith, because of their willingness to do the work, because of their willingness to climb on the roof and cut a hole in my roof, you're able to experience healing. We don't know how willing this guy was on the mat, but Jesus doesn't speak to his willingness. He speaks to the faith of the friends that he had. I believe you need friends of faith because you need people who are going to be willing to carry you in the direction that God has for your life, but who are also going to be willing to have faith when you don't have faith. I think if 2020 taught us anything, it's going to be that at some point, None of us are susceptible to feeling paralyzed and stuck. You're going to experience seasons of brokenness because a relationship with God is mountains and valleys. There are high seasons and there are dark seasons, right? If you like ice cream, it's not going to be like peaches and cream. It's going to be like Rocky Road. (laughs) There's going to be times where it's difficult. And you need friends who are faith-filled Because when you don't have faith, they're going to be able to speak faith into you. When you feel like you're lost and you're broken and you're hopeless, the friends that you have around you are going to be able to speak and believe God's best over you when you can't see God's best taking place in your life. Friends matter because the friends that you have determine what you're hearing when you're at your lowest point. And what you hear when you're at your lowest, I believe, is oftentimes some of the most crucial information you receive because it's when you're at your lowest that you tend to do your dumbest. (laughs) 
Like when you're at your lowest point, it's when you make the worst decisions because you're not the best person to take advice from in those moments. You're probably the reason you ended up there. So you need wise people. You need faith-filled friends who are going to carry you to Jesus, who are going to do whatever it takes to make sure that you have the opportunity to have an encounter with Jesus because it only takes one time to change your life forever. And the reason why I want to be one of those faith friends for people is because I remember what it was like to be at my lowest. I remember what it was like to feel like there was no way we were going to make it out. I remember what it was like to feel stuck. And by God's grace, I had some people in my life who carried me, who wouldn't give up on me, who wouldn't quit, who didn't give me space, but who kept pushing me closer and closer to the person and the presence of Jesus. In verse 12 of this passage of Scripture, it says this, He got up, he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. I really love this last part because the whole story is centered around five individuals. Except the impact was much broader than just five individuals. Like it's one thing for God to do something incredible in your own life and you, you don't tell anybody about it. But these guys all witnessed something powerful and transformational happen. These four friends were willing to look at their friend who was broken and who was stuck. And they were willing to lift him up carry him on a mat and I don't know how many steps they had to take and I don't know how far they had to walk but when they got there they just realized that well, we can't just walk through the front door but there's another way and so they do the work required and they cut the hole they lower him down he experiences healing and when he gets up off the mat and he begins to walk out says everybody was amazed because of the dedication of four friends an entire community was impacted an entire people group got to experience a move of God because of the willingness of four friends do you know that God wants to use your friend group to shift communities to show his glory and his aunt, like what he's capable of to the rest of the world because he does for some of you you need to find new friends right like I'm not discrediting that at all some, some of y'all the best thing you can do is find new friends but for some of you you just need to pull your friend group into purpose and into alignment you don't need to change friends you just need to be intentional to say hey how is God getting glory and honor from the group that we have here because it can make a difference in the world. Maybe you don't have those people or maybe you only have one of those people. I told you you need multiple. I'm not saying you need four. Sometimes churches do that, right? They read a number in scripture. They're like, if you don't have four, then it's not it. It's not what I'm saying. I think you just need more than like two because when things get difficult, you need a group of people who can come around you, who can serve you, who can help you, who can love you. 
And so here at Propel Church, we have groups that help you find those friends. They help you get connected. They help you establish a, a biblical community. And one of the things that I love about our groups is that we run them in semesters. So like the next semester that we have is 12 weeks long. So look, I'm not asking you to do blood oaths today, right? <laughs> we actually don't ever ask you to do that, just in case you're wondering. I'm not asking you to make some kind of crazy commitment. I'm asking you to give me an hour to an hour and a half, 12 times over the next four months. And when we put it like that, it sounds silly that we would say no. Because if I told you that doing something 12 times could literally change your life forever, you would do it. But let me tell you the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario, you get in a group full of a bunch of weirdos. And at the end of those 12 weeks, you realize this is not for me. You find another group <laughs> and you try it again. That's why one of our culture statements out there is that we commit to community. Because I'm going to tell you, the body of Christ is beautiful, but it's also full of weird people. You might get into a group and they might be the perfect community for you. Or it might take you a few tries. But your commitment to community is going to mean that when you find the right tribe, it's the right tribe. Yeah. Yeah. That when you find that group of people, God divinely knits your heart together and you know like these are the people who are there for me who are going to carry me who are going to be there when I need them and so we've got if you see a slide come up on the screen and if you want to find a group today I would encourage you go ahead and pull out your cell phone even if you don't want to find a group just pull out your cell phone I'll show you how to do it and then if you decide later like if you go home and pray about it God's going to tell you to do it and then you can just follow these steps. So you go to propel.church slash groups, and then there you'll click this button called group listing. And when you do, and it's going to pull up all the groups that are available. And so I want to show you what those groups are. So you'll notice that we've got groups of all different kinds. There are groups that uh, are what we call hangouts. And so one of the groups is uh, run slash walk for God. Come on, how many of y'all are grateful for the walk part? <laughs> And so they are doing it through Zoom, but they're also meeting here at 9 a.m. on Saturday mornings. Jamie Hoopaw is running that group, and they're going to be running. They, they, uh, I think they did like a couch to 5K or something last semester, and like that's awesome. If you like running, there's a group of people. I'm not your group of people, but there's a group of people for you. <laughs> and maybe you want to do some yoga. There's yoga going on. Melissa Morelli is leading that. There's a couples hangout with Tim and April Smith. Then there's disc golf as well. And uh, we've got a great, a great group of guys that play disc golf. They're meeting Saturdays in Oakboro. Then we get to this thing called freedom. And you'll hear me say this every semester we have groups. If you are a follower of Jesus and haven't been through our freedom curriculum, you need to go through it. At least once, maybe twice. Some of us need to go through it three times. I lead it, um, I'm leading it this semester, have led it in the past. I think I've been through it seven times. And every time, it helps me even more. Here's why. When you and I live our lives, we accumulate junk. And if you don't settle your yesterdays, you can never walk into tomorrow. 
So what freedom does is it's a 12-week curriculum that's designed to help you leave some junk in the past, to deal with the stuff that you got going on in your heart, and then walk in the freedom that God has for you. And so there's a men's freedom on Tuesdays, and then there's a women's freedom that's on Tuesdays as well. And uh, that's hosted by, men's is hosted by me, women's is hosted by Kenya. Uh, our student ministry, so Propel students. If you're in the age, of, if you're sixth through 12th grade, there's a group for you. And the reason why we do groups now is because uh, we believe our, our student ministry runs alongside of our groups because the worst time for you to realize you need a group of people in biblical community is when you go to college. So we wanna teach you to value biblical community before you get to college so that when you go to college, you're ready and prepared to plug in to another church. Uh, Strong is a women's group hosted by my wife. And then we have some Bible studies as well. The Case for Christ hosted by Rick, the Book of James hosted by Matt, and the Bait of Satan hosted by Carly. If you've never read the Bait of Satan, I'm telling you, it's an incredible book on how to deal with offense and uh, how to overcome it. And so those are the groups that we have available. You'll notice that some are on uh, mornings and some are in evenings. There's some all throughout the week in different nights. And no matter where or what group you want to get involved in, here's what I'm asking. 12 weeks. 12 times. Hour to an hour and a half a week. If you want to take that next step and sign up for a group, all you do is you click the sign up for a group and you type in a little bit of information. We're not going to do anything weird with that information. Our group leaders just need to know how to get in contact with you. So you'll put your name, your phone number, your email. And when you check the box for the group you want to be a part of, then that group leader will get notified of it. Groups are not starting this week. They're starting the following week. So you've got an entire week to figure out your scheduling and how to, because we know that for some of you, if we were to tell you, hey, we're starting groups today, and like you've got a Monday group, you ain't making it to at least week one, right? So we want to make sure that you've got time to adjust your schedule and get ready. But I would encourage you, if you call Propel Church home, whether you're in person or online, find a group, get connected. And if you're in the spot where you're like, hey, I know some of y'all, some of y'all travel a long distance, right, to be a part of this. The, most of the groups this semester with the, the current governor's orders that we have are online groups. Those are great ways for you to get connected. You need to be connected to a local body and you need to be connected to people inside the church. So I would say sign up for a group. And then next week, I'm gonna have the opportunity to teach you on what it means to be a good neighbor. If you've never heard somebody teach out of Leviticus, you're just telling you it's gonna be awesome. And uh, and so I can tell you this, in the in the five and a half, how many years have we been doing this? Five and a half? Propel, right? Yeah. Yeah, we just turned five in September. It all blurs together. 2020 just I've never taught on Leviticus, but next week we change it. So hey, get in a get in a group. Find some people who you can do life with because you need friends. You need people who are going to carry you to Jesus. But just as much as you need people who are going to carry you to Jesus, there's somebody that you need more, and that's Jesus himself. The foundation for healthy relationships is Jesus. 
if we don't get Jesus right, nothing else works. Because scripture says he's the foundation. He's the cornerstone. And what these men knew as they lowered their friend to Jesus is that he has the ability to forgive sins and to heal. And so maybe you're here today and you identify so much with the paralyzed man because you are broken and stuck. The good news is you've got a community of people who have lowered the mat down for you and you're standing in front of Jesus with an opportunity. Today's your opportunity to say, hey, Jesus, I'm here and I want to surrender my life. So with every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment, if that's you and you'd say, hey, I know I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but today I want to change that. Would you just lift your hand for a moment and say, hey, that's me. I want to make that decision. Here's what we're going to do, church. Nobody prays alone. We all pray together. Will you say this with me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen.